It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twang. That girl sure can do her thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard, it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Set on back and listen in to some of their darkest mysteries. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories 100th episode. <laughs> Hey, Jerry and Tracy, it's Dina Marie, host of the Twisted Philly podcast, and I just want to say congratulations. 100 episodes is epic. When Jerry reached out and asked me to record something for this monumentous occasion, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I walk around my house singing that rap all the time, bugging the crap out of my kid. I'm so excited for you both. You put out a fantastic show with such creepy, spooky, unbelievable topics, great guests, and you're both just such lovely, caring, thoughtful people and friends. So congratulations and keep on doing exactly what you're doing. This is Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast and Campfire. And congratulations to Hillbilly Horror Stories, on their 100th episode. Can you imagine that? I grew up with these kind of stories from my family from West Virginia. I love them. Stay spooky, y'all. This is M. Schultz. And this is Christine Schieffer. From And That's Why We Drink. We want to give Jerry and Tracy a big congratulations for their 100th episode. Congratulations, guys. We love you guys. Woo! This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Polly, and their dog Ninja. Hey y'all, I'm Adam. And I'm Matt, and we're from Graveyard Tales. And we wanted to just say happy 100th birthday to Jerry. It's uh, amazing. Hey, what? No, no. It's their 100th episode. Oh, well, that makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> I thought he looked really good for being 100, but... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, happy 100th episode to Jerry and Tracy. It's amazing. Yeah, congratulations, guys. Hey, Jerry and Tracy. This is Diane of the History Ghost Bump Podcast. And I just wanted to congratulate you guys on episode number 100. That's a huge achievement, especially in the world of podcasting. It shows that you have a lot of dedication and that you've worked very hard. And as someone who's been a fan of the show since almost the very beginning, I can say that I really have enjoyed watching your growth. You guys have built an amazing community. You put out a great product and you really care about your listeners. You are top notch and I'm so proud of you guys. Congratulations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 100th episode of Hillbilly Horror Stories, an episode that was so good we've done it twice, <laughs> mainly because uh, we recorded the whole episode, and during the editing process, somehow or another, it just disappeared, and we're redoing it again for the second time. Because we love you guys that much. That's right. So this could be the 100th <laughs> and the 101st episode all rolled into one. <laughs> 
This has been a super fun day for us because not only are we getting ready to do the 100th episode, which we were excited about, we've had people reaching out to us all day long, and then we had a uh, message to check out a video that was made to sound like it might be something bad. (laughs) And now we're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And it was from Natasha Ali and Tim Mullins and John Joslin, and they're the administrators in our Facebook group. And if you're not in our Facebook group, you need to jump in there have some fun. It's a very fun place. It's a place to escape reality for a little bit. We don't just talk about the show. We talk about silly stuff. We post polls. We post, uh, hey, what, what what was one of the things on there? Tasha posted something about your favorite country song. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim's posted fun stuff. John's posted fun. Everybody just jumps in, and it's just fun. It doesn't have to be about horror all the time. It's just about a community that we've built there. Yeah, so getting to know each other, basically. So these three beautiful people send us this video, and then we check it out, and it is literally a bunch of our listeners that sent videos to us telling us what the show means to them and thanking us and congrats on the 100th episode. And Tim made it into this The Ring-type video mm-hmm. and put it all together. It was like a combination of The Blair Witch Project and, and uh, The Ring and a couple other things. It was the most awesome thing that I think anybody has ever done for us, mm-hmm. especially show-related. It hands down is the best. And we've had so many good things. We've had Justin Gabbard make us that giant sign. We've had uh, uh, Robert Mulherine give us that awesome painting that we've now made into t-shirts that you could buy in our shop. So many people have reached out and done things to us in the last, you know, month and and over the last two years that I I can't even begin. And then you hear the people at the beginning of the show. I mean, you got, you know, Jim Harold and, and, and Emma and Christine from, and that's what we drink. And uh, Dina rapping from twisted Philly. (laughs) You go girl. That was awesome. I mean, it's just, we are so overcome with emotion with how awesome you guys have been to us from fellow podcasters. And you're going to hear from some of the other fellow podcasters as we get through here. But, man, what a day. So this video just put the icing on the cake. And now we can just sit down and relax and record this show for the second time. And <laughs> <laughs> just really give some of that love back. Yeah. So. that It did really touch our hearts, you guys. And it made me tear up. And just to... Know that you guys took your time out of your day to do that for us um, was just totally amazing. And we can't thank you enough. But we're going to try to thank you enough because on some some of the cases with our Patreon supporters, we've decided to do some extra stuff. And we'll tell you about that a little bit later. So first and foremost, thanks to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you support. Yes, yeah, so we appreciate you. We pray for you every day. God bless you. Special thoughts and prayers out to Hawaii that's still struggling with the volcano situation out there. Colorado's got wildfires that are really causing havoc. And then you had the horrible shooting in Maryland at the newspaper this week. It's been a, it's been a, a really rough couple of weeks for tragedies in America. And so our thoughts and prayers go out to all those people. Absolutely. Of course, we do this every week. If you're struggling and you're contemplating suicide, please reach out for help. The number here in the United States is 1-800-273-8255. But you can also log on and chat on an online chat if you're not into it. Or you can text at 741-741. And you don't have to worry about if you're not one of these talkers and you'd rather Mm -hmm. text it because you think that's a little 
um, easier to do right, right. than whatever it takes. You know, there's three different ways for you to try to reach out to people. Don't ever think you're in a situation where nobody cares, because I promise you that's not ever the case. There is always somebody who cares. Somebody at the end of one of those lines will be somebody who cares. And you're talking to two people here that definitely care. Absolutely. We mentioned the Facebook group. That Facebook group is so supportive. And I promise you, if you're having issues of thinking you're alone, be a member of that group and you will never feel alone. That much I can promise you. Yes. Okay, so let's jump into some iTunes reviews real quick. Bent Dog 21, Golf Fox, Blowing Your Mind, Palsy 4, Canyon Man 2112, Karaoke, KP24, Kendall R30, Carly Lamoon, Kentucky Nicole, Amos81. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for your views. You continue to amaze us. Yeah, and, and we the, appreciate you so much. Those reviews help us so much. We had a record-breaking week this week. We had more listens than we've ever had. Uh, and that goes right back to these reviews because when you give these reviews, we move up in the rankings and people search like paranormal or something. Our name's up there. So therefore, they listen to the show. That's how we get so many listens. And it's because of you guys and those reviews. It means a ton to us. The other way you can support the show is through Patreon. And Patreon uh, new listener or new uh, supporters we had this week: Donna Smith, Victoria Reagan, who's over in Germany in the military, listening to us. Thank you for your support, Victoria. Ariel Shepard and Logan Brown. Thank you guys. Thank you all so very much. And a little bit later in the show, I will tell you what we've done to uh, for you guys. If you're already a Patreon supporter, we're giving you some extra stuff just because we love you. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, we're going to give you some extra incentive to maybe jump on board. Sounds great, babe. All right. So are we ready to get into what tonight entails? Yes. So excited. I've kept this a secret long enough. The story we're going to do tonight, Bridgewater Triangle. If you are a paranormal enthusiast, we will say, you probably know all about Bridgewater Triangle. If you've never heard of it, wow, are you in for a treat tonight? I can't wait. I promised you a special guest tonight. We had to go big or go home for the 100th episode. That's the way we look at it. And it took a while to get this going. And actually, about a year. <laughs> we started talking about this about no a kidding, year ago. A whole year? Yeah. It's taken a year because they have very busy schedules, oh, as, sure. you, as you could imagine. But we've got Forrest and Scott from Astonishing Legends on tonight. Oh, man. That's amazing. You, he- you hear us all the time refer to them as our big brothers. And, uh, that's because they've helped us so much, and, and when I need advice, they're there. There's a bunch of other podcasters as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So, but, but they've always, they're one of the biggest shows out there, and they have never shied away from giving us time to help us out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I can't say enough about those guys. So Pretty awesome. Bridgewater Triangle and Astonishing Legends, all in the same show. Man, and? Oh, yeah. And the return of Tracy Raps. Yikes. <laughs> good thing we're putting the two good things before me. Yeah, we're sandwiching <laughs> that right in the middle. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> but you will get to hear uh, Tracy rap Gangster Paradise by Coolio. We tried to get Coolio to do it, but uh, he refused to you know, return any of our phone calls or mm-hmm. text or tweets or mm-hmm. notes on a carrier pigeon. So, <laughs> But either way, uh, are we ready to jump in the Bridgewater Triangle? Of course, babe. Let's do it. The Bridgewater Triangle is 30 miles south of Boston, Massachusetts. So most people know where Boston is. It's about 200 square miles. 
and it's not an official vortex, but it's one of the world's most concentrated areas of diverse paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. And I say diverse because there's UFOs, there's Bigfoot-type sightings, and other cryptids. You've got Thunderbirds. Have you ever heard of Thunderbirds before? No, I haven't. We'll get into that a little bit. And you mean the car? No, not the car. There may be some of those in there in oh. the area, too. I'm almost positive there probably is. <laughs> Native American curses, animal sacrifices and murders, and, of course, there's ghosts. This place has it all. Oh, my gosh. All in one area? All in one area. Wow. Yeah. Now, the place that makes up the triangle, the bigger towns anyway, because the, the triangles always have three points, right? Mm-hmm. So the points are Rehoboth, Abington, and Freetown. Bridgewater itself is a town that's right smack dab in the middle of all this. Other towns included in this vortex are Raynham, Brockton, Norton, and Taunton. So we'll talk a little bit about some of those later. The Bridgewater Triangle got its name back in the 1970s. There was a renowned cryptozoologist by the name of Lauren Coleman. Coleman was fascinated by all this paranormal activity in one area, so he traced the activity all the way back to the 1760s. Daggone. How do you even do that? I guess just looking back through papers, because they didn't have no internet back in 1970, so it definitely was tougher then. So here's what his first account that he found. On May 10th of of 1760, sorry, a group of people witnessed a sphere of fire in Bridgewater and Roxbury that was brighter than the sun. How is that possible? I have no idea. But it was they say it was brighter than the sun because it happened at 10 a.m. And this thing was so bright that it caused shadows that the sun didn't even you oh, know, block out, basically. Oh, so just two years later, well, I'm going to go back. This sighting that we just talked about mm-hmm. was the first official UFO sighting in the world. Like ever? As far as documented. Oh, wow. I mean, you got like Ezekiel saw the wheel and all that stuff back in the biblical times. But as far as like listed in the paper of this is a strange thing that we can't answer, that was the very first one in the world. Very interesting. So it goes way back. No doubt. So we got two years later on Halloween night of all nights. Both of these cities were visited by UFO yet again. This incident, though, was well documented by the local media. So before it was just like, boom, but this was, this had mm-hmm. people more coming around. In this case, there were two undertakers. They were driving a carriage around 3 a.m. in the morning. They described what they said looked like an unusually strong lantern about two and a half feet around. Mm-hmm. It was illuminating a large object that looked kind of like a balloon. So they watched it for about 40 minutes. And then there were some other witnesses that saw the same object. They said it kept straight. And it just kind of steady on the course, but it would also hover at times. So it just kind of stop and hover. Some people thought this was a hot air balloon, but most of the of, of the uh, people said that it didn't behave like a hot air balloon. So they already knew. But just to be safe, the state verified that any of the hot air, air balloons that were registered were not out that night. Well, yeah, but why would a hot air balloon be in the air at 3 a.m.? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it makes no sense. No, but, it doesn't. But it's just because of the fact that, you know, when you think of hot air balloon, you've got the basket and then you've got the, the flame. Fire. Yeah. So you see the fire and then you can, the balloon actually illuminates mm-hmm. when you do that. If you do, because like here at the Kentucky Derby, they always had the balloon glow. And yeah. that's what they do at nighttime. They just light it up and you can see, mm-hmm. you know, the light from well, inside I can there. So maybe get that, yeah. So I guess that's what the thought was, but. How, how can they keep track of where every hot air balloon is in the state? I don't know how that's possible either. 
So anyway, some people that thought it was a hot air balloon and, you know, but, the, but they verified that it wasn't. One of the undertakers said that it definitely wasn't a hot air balloon because a balloon couldn't uh, move the way this thing was moving. He said that it moved up and it moved down and sometimes it moved in circles. Hmm. So. Bizarre. Then we'll move on a little bit. We're going to breeze through some of these because there's so many. I, I can't, can't cover each one of them in detail. We'll be here for four or five days. It'll be like Astonishing Legends doing three or four episodes <laughs> on the subject. There was a bunch of UFO sightings in the, in the 60s. And then there was one case where two large UFOs were seen landing near Route 44 in Taunton. Tauntington, I'm sorry. Taunton. No, it's Taunton, right? I think it's Taunton. It's Taunton. In December 1976. Then, just three years later, in 1979, two newsmen from WHDH saw a UFO on March 23rd. They said it was shaped like a home plate of a baseball diamond. Mm -hmm. And they said it, it emitted some type of a mysterious green substance at the intersection of Route 24 and Route 106 in Taunton. You mean it like fell, the stuff fell down on the road? That's the way I took it, that it was, because we did the one UFO story before where it was out in the field, mm -hmm. and they said that it, it was like melted, uh, melting metal or something that oh, looked like it was gosh. dripping off of it, so I'm assuming like this was the slime, same type of maybe thing. maybe slime. In 1991, there was a green flying disc that was seen in Bridgewater. They said it was moving slowly and silently at about 50 feet. Off the ground. Wait, 50 feet? Yeah, very like... very low flying. Oh, dang. They said it had a very uh, very bright spotlight, and it was shining it over a large section of land like it was looking for something. Mm -hmm. In late November 1997, a man saw a triangular-shaped UFO in Bridgewater. He said it had three white star-shaped lights, and then it had two red star-shaped lights. And... This wasn't just any witness. This was actually a member of law enforcement who was actually working the night shift in Bridgewater. So this should be a pretty, you know, credible right. source. I wonder how many how many things these officers see at night when they're just driving around. There's no telling, especially out in this neck in the, of the woods. Yeah. In December 10th of 1998, near Route 44 in Middlesboro, a witness saw a strange, brightly lit craft that said he had numerous red, green, and white lights that maneuvered over a... I'm going to screw this up. This is it's one of those uh, Native American names. Asawamset Pond. So it's just kind of floating over top of the pond. Mm -hmm. He said the object split into two. Then the two pieces flew geometric patterns separately at high speeds over the sky. And then... He said it created this awesome display of lights like a, a, an amusement park ride or something. Yeah. Then they joined back into one and disappeared. Like magnetic, I wonder? No idea. Well, that's kind of neat. He said the Air Force planes were seen over the pond almost immediately after the incident. No kidding. And you're going to find in a lot of these, one of the other things that happens out here, and I don't have a lot of details, but people see the um, military helicopters. Mm -hmm that they see them looking with the lights shining and sometimes groups of them out there always looking at this area. That's and crazy. most of the time, immediately after one of these UFO sightings. So you're never going to find out any of this stuff from the oh, government. No. They're not going to fess up to it. But. No. So we got one last UFO story because you know it's killed me to go on this long about UFO stories. 
And just think, I got to do Bigfoot stories on the same show. So, <laughs> you love it. This, you know hey, it. We're doing this for you guys. This is how much <laughs> I love you. This was the summer of 99. A guy named George Lacoste was 19 years old at the time. He said he saw a UFO in Bridgewater, and the, he said it, it had like a bright red light on it, but it was from a distance, and he said it was moving all around. Mm-hmm. It was just up, down, around. He said it was like doing a hokey pokey, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds but, like. <laughs> He said he was, it was moving in a way that planes just can't go, and he said it just it was a whole different look than what he's ever seen on right. anything before. It's like you said, like a laser pointer or something. Yeah. It's almost like that. So, but I wanted to cover this UFO stuff completely separate from the rest of the stories, even mm-hmm. though a lot of it takes place all over the same area. Mm-hmm. But instead of going into the different subjects like we could do those cryptids and all stuff i decided that we would go to the different landmarks there's a bunch of different landmarks in a triangle like bridgewater and Mm -hmm. and um hockamock swamp and and a few others and we're going to get into those individually but before we get into the next one let's listen to one of our podcast friends that with a a nice little congrats this is nicolicious and this is rob and we are from the brohio podcast and we just want to say thank you and congratulations to the incredible jerry and tracy polly of the hillbilly horror stories podcast yeah thank you guys so much for everything you've done for us and for everything you've done for everyone in the podcast community and congratulations on 100 episodes whoo congratulations tracy give jerry some of that good good mm. and just for the record i'm holding you to that oh thanks a lot guys <laughs> all right so let's jump into hockamock swamp because that really is what most people consider to be the uh, area that's in the center of this whole mm-hmm. controversy or, or mystery surrounding the Bridgewater Triangle. The name Hockamock came from Native Americans in the area, and it means place where spirits dwell. And they also called it Devil Swamp. So it doesn't sound like a very fun place <laughs> to go swimming. I, I think they may have been onto something. Mm-hmm. It's 5,000 acres this how big this swamp is and that makes it one of the largest of its kind in the northeast u.s it's pretty big some parts are very remote so it's not really hard to believe that some of these cryptids could possibly went undetected throughout the years because mm-hmm. i mean nobody goes to some of those parts right many of the local residents report strange feelings about the swamp and there's a strong local superstition that evil paranormal or satanic activity goes on there so the locals don't really like it either. No, I'm sure not. It's believed that the Hockamock is home to spirits and strange animals. And we're going to talk about some of those. Now, from about 300 A.D. to the colonial times, Native Americans depended on this swamp for food source, mainly because it was really plentiful as far as, like, deer, antelope. Yeah. I don't think antelope. There was deer and moose. Right. That was their main things. Now, Hockamock not only referred to the spirits that struck fear, into some of these people, but for the good spirits that led them to the moose and deer. So even though they said it was the place where spirits dwell, wouldn't necessarily to them all bad spirits. Okay. Part of the paranormal activity that's attributed to this is because of how many lives were actually lost here, mainly Native American lives due to the uh, European settlers coming in and taking over the land. The King Philip's War in 1675 and 16. Uh, that lasted till 1676 was a terrible and bloody war that took place near the swamp so that would that would explain a lot 
Both sides committed horrible crimes against women and children. Oh, not cool. The swamp actually saw some of the bloodiest massacres to ever happen in America. Oh, man. So, yeah, this is not a place that's had a really good history. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds just horrible. Even after the war, there were killings. The Wampanoag uh, tribes had their land taken away from them. Most of their tribe was killed. And to add insult to injury, their traditional traditional enemies there that were also Native Americans, they sided with the English settlers and helped them do the slain. So some say that the wounded spirits from these Wampanoag tribes are the reason for all of the uh, bad mm, things that happen in the swamp yeah. today. There's, so then all the other critters just came in? Like all the other spirits and all the other evil people, that's just their place to join in? and Either that or they just feel like that all the things that happened there are because of the Wampanoags. Yeah. So there's also been reports of satanic and cult-type rituals conducted in the swamp. This is all scary enough. And then you add in the cryptids and UFOs, and this place is over the top. So we told you about some of the UFO stories already. Now, keep in mind, most of these UFOs were over the swamp at some point. Mm-hmm. Even when sometimes when people see them, they might be in Bridgewater, but they're seeing them Move. over the swamp. Yeah. And so that, that, that was the basic sense. You're gonna see, most of these things were over the swamp. So that's all included in this. So back sort of to, like the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Everything kind of got sucked into that. Right. So let's go back to the cryptids real quick. Several witnesses have reported seeing large black prehistoric birds similar to pterodactyls. It's got a wingspan of 8 to 12 feet and the oldest known sighting as far as uh, documented of this creature was 1971. Now Native Americans have stated that they've seen these things way back in their existence. They referred to them as Thunderbirds. Like the car? No. I think there was probably something. You know, didn't you do that joke already this show? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to humor you again. Oh, dang it. I thought I could slip it by you again. (laughs) The Native Americans. It might have been like the fourth time you did it since we've done this show twice. The the Native Americans that lived in this area called the creatures Thunderbirds. I covered that. Okay, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you got me repeating myself. <laughs> Made me lose my place on my notes. In 1984, there was a report of, of two of these creatures fighting each other over some trees. Why were they fighting over a tree? <laughs> they were over top of a tree. Oh, Not, they weren't fighting over a tree. No, you meant they were literally over a they tree. Were, they were over top of the trees fighting. They oh. weren't fighting over a tree. There's plenty of trees. They wouldn't have to fight over one tree. <laughs> well, you never know. In 1992, a large bird with a wingspan of 10 to 12 feet was seen in Taunton. One person described it as looking like a man with wings. So that could technically be like another Mothman type deal. Yeah. Another creature seen here. Ninja, hold your ears. Phantom dogs. These dogs aren't cute and cuddly. Oh. One man in Abington in 1976 said he saw a huge ghostly dog with red eyes rip the throats out of two of his ponies. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. He said that the dog was as big as the ponies that it killed. Oh, man. And there's been plenty of other people say they've seen these things and it just, it'll run, take off running and they just disappear. So it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the the dogs that you hear all the time, the, the uh, hellhounds and yeah. stuff like that. So supposedly those are there. So that's another fun thing. Then you got black panthers, 
giant snapping turtles and snakes that are supposedly the size of tree trunks in the swamp. Wait, snakes? Snakes the size of tree trunks. Oh my gosh. Now this could be a really small tree. Well, oh, I hope so. And them daggone snapping turtles are mean and hateful. They are mean. And of course you got Bigfoot. Or at least a Bigfoot type creature has been seen several times. Usually he's entering or exiting the swamp or creeping along the edge. He's not usually, when people see him, he's not usually inside the swamp. Mm-hmm. In 1970, many people saw a creature that was hairy and six to seven feet tall that would stand either upright or sometimes on all fours, but they found footprints in the mud on, on several different occasions. The Bridgewater State and uh, local and the state police used dogs to try to track down a bear for two straight days. Which is odd, because bears had been extinct in this region for quite a long time. But I guess they figured it wasn't going to be a Bigfoot, it's got to be a bear based on the descriptions. Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't you know, on April 8th, two policemen were sitting in a squad car, and they had an experience they would not soon forget. One of the officers said that something started picking the back of the car up off the ground, which is similar to the Momo story that we told. So I guess... These things just like to pick up cars. They're just like strong. They're probably just like trying to show off for the yeah, other girls. Yeah, flex the her female, muscles. Big, big feet or... Yeah. Is that the plural? Big feet? And big feet, big... I don't... Stop. <laughs> they turned... <Feet. laughs> they turned the car around really quick. They got the spotlight out and they shined it in the direction and they saw a creature running towards the corner of a house. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't make out if it was a bear or... Oh, because it was around the whatever. corner too quick. But... They said that they didn't think a bear would could lift up their car because they don't have those kinds of hands. They have paws, and you can't really lift stuff oh, up with paws. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. But I've seen bears, like, hold salmon and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. so what's the difference? Now, one of the most famous accounts of seeing Bigfoot from this area was John Baker. Now, John set up muskrat traps all over the swamp. I have no clue what a muskrat does or why they would set up a trap muskrat, for them. muskrat. They had a song made out of it. That was Captain and Tennille, and nobody under the age of 50 will get that reference. <laughs> in the 1980s, early 1980s, John was on a canoe. He was setting some of these traps out there in the swamp. He was about about a mile and a half from his house in Bridgewater there, down, down the uh, uh, swamp area, whatever that is, whatever you call that. And he said that he just got this cold feeling that something was watching him. Now, part of that's because it was probably wintertime. That might have, most feelings were probably cold mm-hmm. in the wintertime. I'm sure. Baker was 48 years old at the time, and he'd been trapping for 30 years. So he knew this area, backwards, forwards, seen everything, heard everything. He said something was following him, and he could tell that it was something big. So he took the boat down this small creek, like dog-legged off of it, got to the small creek, to a dry hill, and he got up on there, and he said... He, he could, this thing just kept following him. He said he paddled as quietly as he could, but then he could hear the, the thin layer of the swamp ice breaking and shattering as this thing was making its way. Oh my gosh, way. I'd be scared to death. He said he stopped and he watched a shadowy, hairy, covered giant walk just a few yards from him. And Baker said he knew it wasn't human because when it passed him, he could smell it. He said it smelled like skunk. It was musty, it was dirty, like it lived in the dirt. Which, I know people like that, so it doesn't mean it wasn't human. Well, he's probably just coming out to get a hug. Maybe he was just cold. <laughs> why in the heck is that guy, if he knows what all's going on in this swampy area, why in the world... Because people who live there, they don't look at stuff like that. We're fascinated by it, but just like when we talk to like 
Phil Holmes about um, the Tower of London. They don't even talk about the Tower of London being haunted over there. Everybody over here is like, oh, it's the most haunted place in the world. Mm-hmm. So when you're at a place, it's I just guess, not the I same mean, way. I guess. I think I was still not. I mean, why do people work at Waverly giving tours? I mean, Yeah, well, I guess thing. that makes sense. So anyway, Baker died back in 2001, but he said that whatever it was that he saw, he had never seen anything like it before and never saw anything like it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he, you know... That's a, that's a, I think he ended up working there another 10 years in the swamp. Why was he trying to catch in a trap? Muskrat. Oh. We covered. I say. Oh. <laughs> Remember, you made that stupid joke about yeah. muskrat love. <laughs> <laughs> another highly publicized sighting was in 1978 by Joseph DeAndre. Now, DeAndre, who was 24 at the time, was exploring a part of the swamp around Clay Banks, which is like a pond in that area. He saw the creature. He said he was standing up on the shore. Something told him to turn around, and it was some kind of a chill inside him. So here, again, this Mm -hmm. feeling of being watched type thing. He turned around about 200 yards away. There was this creature that was brown and hairy. He said it was huge, half man, half ape, and it was starting to make its way into the woods, and he said he didn't know how far because... He wouldn't go stick around to look. He turned around and ran to the street, (laughs) (laughs) as I'm sure I would have He ain't stupid. He said he never saw it again, but it wouldn't from a lack of effort because he actually assembled uh, some expeditions to go find this thing with a bunch of his friends and stuff all in camouflage going out looking. They never did find it. Okay, maybe he is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I changed my story. So we've got paranormal things that are also seen out there in the swamp. A lot of people have claimed to see Native Americans paddling their canoes in a swamp. Mm, no way. There's also lots of glowing orbs up in the trees that people see. So that could kind of be anything. I mean, it, Lightning so, bugs. I doubt that they're lightning bugs, but it could be anything. It could be allies or something. Mm-hmm. So then you've got people who say, well, there's a scientific explanation for all this. Chris Pittman, who's an expert on the swamp, he says that the swamp evolved from glacial activity to the to the mounting of alluvium deposits to the death and decay of plants that create the thick peat bedding that's underneath. And they say that may have resulted in some kind of a gravitational anomaly. And that's something that you see in some of these paranormal places. They said throughout the world, there are vortexes where the laws of gravity don't operate in the same ways as the rest of the world and he said not all of these places have paranormal activity but if you do find a place that does have paranormal activity there's probably a vortex where gravity and energy aren't behaving normally Hmm, that's interesting so Pittman hasn't experienced anything paranormal on his trips to the swamp but he said he is 100% convinced that others have so that's the scientific explanation DeAndre said that he was told by a Native American chief that his people cursed the swamp centuries ago because of the horrible treatment they got from the settlers. Mm. So, is it cursed? Well, this could give you a glimpse or maybe a, a, a part of the answer. Several years ago, there was a team of archaeologists. They discovered a burial ground on Grassy Island that's out in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Well, incredibly, when the bones were unearthed, the red clay that was that was on the skeletons bubbled up and dissolved right there in front of their eyes. Oh my gosh! They took like, a bunch of pictures. Just dissolved, like yep. bleh, bubbled gone. up and dissolved. Wow! Like acid was poured on them. They took a bunch of pictures to document this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
all of the pictures failed to develop properly. Oh, dang it. So we can't even see anything. Nope. That's crazy. So what I want to do is we're getting ready to move on to our next landmark, which is Dighton Rock and uh, Profile Rock. But before we do that, let's hear from another one of our friends. Hello, it's Lee here from Realm of the Supernatural podcast. And I just want to wish you congratulations from the other side of the pond on your 100th episode. Every episode has been fantastic, and I really do look forward to the next one. Uh, that being said, I just want to say a big thank you to Jerry and Tracy for being fantastic people. You know, you won't find nicer people in the paranormal podcast world than Jerry and Tracy. And Jerry's gone out his way on a lot of occasions to uh, help me out. So, you know, big thank you for that. Right, just to say good luck on your next 100 episodes. Get cracking, because I'll be listening. Thanks, guys. All right, so we got Dighton Rock. It's on the banks of the Taunton River. It's right across from Grassy Island that we just talked about, the burial ground. Here's the thing that's strange about Dighton Rock. It's got a bunch of inscriptions on it mm-hmm. that are carved into the rock, but nobody knows the origins of where this came from. It's a weird language. And... Oh, so nobody knows what it says no, at all. No, it's just, and, and most people seem to think that it's Native American, but there's some people who think it's from the Vikings or even the uh, Phoenicians. Mm-hmm. The identity has never been determined whatsoever. We never will know. Nope. That's a shame. Next, you got Profile Rock. Now, Profile Rock is another one of these Bridgewater landmarks with paranormal reputation. It's in Freetown, and if you look at the rock from a nearby hill, you can see a portrait of a Native American. Just the, the face. Just the long. face? Yeah. Oh, Which man, is why I'd they love call to it see that. Rock. Yeah. So, but he's looking out from the stone. Mm-hmm. Now, years before the English settlers got here, the Wampanoag, we talked about them, considered this rock sacred. Native American ghost dancers in warrior dress are seen dancing around the rock. Very cool. It is very cool. I'd love to see that. Then you got Anawan Rock. This is also in the swamp, and it's along uh, Route 44 in Rehoboth, which we said we were going to talk about. It's named for Chief Anawan, and this is where he surrendered to the to colonists and ended the King Philip's War that we talked about mm-hmm. how bloody it was. Legend has it that angry spirits of Chief Anawan's warriors haunt the area. They start spectral fires and do tribal dancing. A lot of tribal dancing. Yeah. They were musical people. Yeah, I like that. There was one pair of people out there, a couple that were riding or walking along, uh-huh. and they said they saw a bonfire. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty obvious, you know, the smoke and all that stuff. And they followed it, and as they got closer, when they got to where they the bonfire would have been, that there was nothing there. No ashes, no nothing. Oh. And then there was another guy... He said that he was in in the area, and then he could hear, I want to say this, I'm probably wrong, Ayotash. He heard it like three times, Ayotash, Ayotash. And he said it was from a, a very deep-voiced man. What's that mean? Well, he found out later when he got up there that that means it was Wampanoag for stand up and fight. Oh. But he had no clue, so I guess somebody didn't like him being there. And that's yeah. That's probably one of those spirits. Now, Freetown, there have been several cases of reported animal mutilations. Mm, I don't like that. The local police investigated it, 
and uh, said that it would look like it was the work of a cult. They found cows that had been carved up, and then they found a group of calves that were so gruesomely mutilated that it said that it was obviously some type of a ritual sacrifice. I just don't know what people get out of doing that. I just don't get it. Steak. Oh. <laughs> roast. Well, that's true. I mean. Ribs. I could go on. Oh, well, I'm sure they don't cook it up like that. So they, they were discovered at the Freetown Fall River State Forest. And Freetown, we talked about. Now, Fall River is a neighboring city. Mm-hmm. And does Fall River sound familiar whatsoever? Mm-hmm. That's the home of Lizzie Borden. Yep. So she's just that her home and Falls River, uh, Fall is it Fall Rivers or Falls River? Either way, it is just outside of the triangle. So, so if it was like a pimple on a triangle, that would be included. Wow. So they probably went over to her house for a sleepover, and then she came over to hang out at their crib and do I mean, all that kind of stuff. Very possible they could have had a Thunderbird carry Bigfoot over there. And... <laughs> oh man, this is a big old party up in there. <laughs> It's long believed that this, this has been a site for rituals, but not just animals. Human murders that have been committed by satanic cults have also been found there, including a missing woman that was found tied to a tree and beheaded. She was actually stumbled across by a guy. I don't know if he stumbled on her, but I mean, he you know, fell over or whatever. I'm sure he didn't stumble onto a tree. <laughs> but he was, he was out there walking, and he came across his body tied. He went mm-hmm. and got authorities, brought him back, and then he stopped before he got all the way up to her and she pointed and says that's where it's at i'm not going back up i don't blame him the forest is also the site of many suicides much like the japanese yeah forest that's so sad all right before we get into taunting let's listen to one more of our podcast friends this is justin from mysterious circumstances wishing jerry and tracy congratulations on your 100th episode and i hope for many many more Big thank you to Justin Rimmel. And you can see us, Justin Rimmel and Shane Waters, live in Indianapolis on the 28th of this month, just four weeks away. There's only, uh, what, about 22, 23 tickets left. Mm-hmm. I'll post a link after the show, and you guys can snatch them up because it's going to go quick. Uh, this place up in Indianapolis is like the best burger joint around, and it's craft beers and all that. And 10 bucks, you get three good shows, and you'll have a hell of a time. I can guarantee that. So let's get into Taunton. Taunton's one of the cities, obviously, we mentioned a couple times already. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm just waiting for you to barf. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> so Taunton, we've mentioned a few times already. And in Taunton, there's not a ton else that we haven't already covered, but there is the Taunton State Hospital, which allegedly parts of the hospital were used by satanic cults in the 60s and the 70s. Visitors report orbs and getting touched. What is it with hospitals and satanic cults? I have no idea. What is it? No idea. Hmm. So then we've got uh, Rehoboth. In 1968, five people saw a strange ball of light floating among the trees in a wooden part of the city, a heavily wooded part of the city. They shouted a warning... (laughs) And they said that it expanded to approximately five feet in diameter and it started moving towards them, so they ran. <laughs> How the hell are you going to shout a warning to a ball in the sky? No. What do you think is going to happen? Have they not seen Phantasm? 
don't know. People do crazy shit. Now, at the same period of time, there was a man who looked at his yard into uh, his snowy property because it was in the middle of wintertime. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was close to Christmas time, I'm going to assume, because he said that what it, it looked like a, a Christmas tree had been set on fire out there. Hmm. So he just assumed it was some, you know, vandals or kids that were torching a tree trying to play a prank yeah but the next day he went out there there was no tree there was no ashes there was no melted snow anywhere around where he saw the light and it wasn't that far from him yeah so he knew that wasn't the case crazy people you also get spook lights these are glowing balls of light that are often seen over the dog track in Raynham. Mm-hmm. ain't balls a funny word <laughs> balls that's just a funny word well, there's so many other stories that uh, don't involve balls that we could talk about. But, like I said, we would be here forever. Mm-hmm. But I do want to tell you about another one in, in Rehoboth. It's called the Red-Headed Hitchhiker. The Red-Headed Hitchhiker? You said Red-Headed Hitchhiker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to listen to one more of our friends here, and then uh, we'll be back to tell you about the Red-Headed Hitchhiker. Hey everyone, this is Zinger from the Zing This Podcast, fellow Dark Lord from the Dark Myths Podcast Collective, and I want to congratulate Hillbilly Horror Story on their 100th episode. I hope you guys at least have a couple hundred more. Congratulations. We've all heard these stories about hitchhikers, the most famous one being Resurrection Mary in Chicago, and... This guy is kind of along the same lines. Nobody really has a backstory on where he came from or who he is, but the description is pretty much always the same. Like I said, he's in uh, Rehoboth, and he's usually on a stretch of Route 44. He's seen on dark, lonely nights, which I have no clue what a lonely night is. I do. I'm sure you do. He's got red hair, a red beard, and he wears a plaid shirt. Like the brawny guy. Apparently. Because they say he's well-built, and he's between the ages of 45 and 55. Now, sometimes they say that he's kind of scruffy looking. Uh-huh. And then other times, you know, like his beard's like extra grown out and stuff. And other times he's well-kempt. So it just depends on the story. Now, what's funny about him, though, is he appears. There's several different variations of the story. There are times to where he'll be just appearing in your car. Like you're, mean, like wait, you're wait. riding along, it's you, a friend, and somebody in the third seat. And he just appears in the fourth seat. Holy moly. Like, they didn't stop to pick him up. He just... He just is up in there. Yeah, he's all up in it. Oh, my gosh, I would die. Then you got people that they're they're riding down the road. Mm-hmm. And they said they're, they're going at a regular speed, and he's like, they turn around and look out the window, and he's right there. Like, his <laughs> face is right there in their face. <laughs> That's funny. There was one story that I, I found particularly amusing. It was a car that broke down. And there was a guy and a girl. The guy decided he was going to walk and get help, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the girl was in the car. He leaves her. He's walking to get help. And he said, you know, a couple miles down the road or whatever, he sees this guy. And 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 he talks to him. And then the guy disappears. Oh, god! Right in front of him. Uh-huh. So he starts walking back. I'd be running to the back. car, <laughs> and but by the time he gets to the car, the girl is out of the car because she sent the same guy approached her. So she, they they, they both saw him at different times. Oh my goodness! I guess he didn't help. No, rude, rude, rude. At least change a tire or something, buddy. So, anyways, that's our story on Bridgewater. That that, that was pretty cool, actually. It's so weird about that swampy place. Do you say we're going there? No, we're not going there. 
What is wrong with you? Why would we go there? Oh, didn't you say we're doing a ride in a swamp? Yeah, but that's in New Orleans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different part of the country. Oh, well, a swamp's a swamp. <laughs> no, I think I'd rather be in a swamp in New Orleans than that swamp. Um, well, yeah, I agree with you there. Okay. So, I've put it off long enough. It's time for the return of Tracy Raps. Sorry. <laughs> Please still remain friends and be in our group after this whole awful thing that's about to take place. So, I'm not going to put it off. Let's go ahead and have a listen. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look in my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blessing and laughing so long that... Even my mama thinks that my mind is gone But ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it Maybe treat it like a punk, you know that's unheard of You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking Or you and your homies might be lined and chalked I really hate to trip, but I gotta loak As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke Fool, I'm the kind of G the little homies wanna be Like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light Been living most of their lives Living in the gangsters' paradise. Been living most of their lives. Living in the gangsters' paradise. Keep spending most of our lives. Living in the gangsters' paradise. Keep spending most of our lives. Living in the gangsters' paradise. Power and the money. Money and the power. Minute after minute. Hour after hour. Everybody's running, but half of them ain't looking what's going on in the kitchen. But I don't know what's cooking. They say I gotta learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand, how can they reach me? I guess they can't. I guess they won't. I guess they front. That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool. Tell me why are we so blind to see that the ones we heard are you? Well, I don't think it was bad. I don't think you're going to be invited to the Grammys anytime soon. Well, I'm sure of that. Or America's Got Talent. And not even close. Or Louisville's Got Talent. How about I just stay in my house and live under a rock? Or Walmart's Got Talent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tried, guys, so I apologize if... (laughs) But, unfortunately, y'all asked for it, so... Hopefully you won't ask again. <laughs> you know, we, we've we had some very nice podcasters that have helped us so much along the ways. And one of them is Phil Holmes. He decided that when he sent in his little uh, congrats, he went a little different than what the other people mm-hmm. went. He did his, uh, his own genuine way. And we're going to go ahead and play that one for you. And then we're going to listen to Astonishing Legends. After Astonishing Legends, I promised you guys I would tell you about some cool Patreon stuff, and we'll get into that afterwards. So let's listen to Phil real quick, and we'll jump right into Astonishing Legends. Hi, I'm Phil Holmes. And I'm Gabriel Holmes. And we're from the Paranormal Podcast. Hillbilly, real ghost stories round the campfire, so don't get scared. We just call it scared. Most of our listeners call it rubbish. 
Now, we've just had a letter from our lawyer, which has demanded that we say hello to Jerry and Tracy Pauly and congratulate them on 100 episodes of Hillbilly Horror Stories. You ever heard of it? What's that? No idea. But, of course, Jerry we know very well. You know, Jerry used to be a stand-up comedian, Gabriel. Like Eddie Murphy? Not really like Eddie Murphy. The, the main difference is that Eddie Murphy is funny. The other thing is that I, I've known Jerry a very long time. Do you know how long I've known Jerry? A month? No, it's even longer than that. I remember Jerry when he was only selling shower curtains. That was before he started the podcast. In fact, I've known Jerry so long, I knew him before he knew all the minions. <laughs> oh, so you mean grew. Well, that's his real name. So, according to the legal team in America, we have to say congratulations. To Gru and Tracy. To Gru and Tracy on a hundred episodes of Hill Billy. Hold on a minute, let me just read it. Horror Stories. Hillbilly Horror Stories, of course, Gabriel, is an amazing podcast. It's full of comedy, historical, paranormal uh, stories. It's full of the best guests. And it's full of other stuff as well, but I, I just can't read Jerry's handwriting. So from the two of us... Just the two of us. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, he'll have to pay uh, a license fee to uh, play that now. <laughs> That'll be the end of his show. That's a good plan. That's a really good plan. We could do that. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. No, you can't do it because Jerry won't be able to play this. Celebrate 100 podcasts. Come on. Oh, we'll have to pay three times now. Silent night. Jerry night. Now, listen, being very serious, I'm going to be very serious. A bit like Jerry was when he was a stand-up comedian. Many congratulations on 100 episodes of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I can't even say it. I'm, I'm too moved. I, I, I do remember Jerry when he just used to listen to us at Scared and he used to contact me for advice and then he stole all my ideas and created that show. It's true! It's true, I tell you. Right, we're out of here now because he only wanted 10 seconds and I've done episodes that aren't as long as this. It's three <laughs> minutes long, nearly four minutes long. Please insert a laugh track here. We love you guys. Gotta love Phil and he's been there from the very beginning for us. He sure has. I love him and Gabriel and they are just awesome friends to us now. Yes, they are. All right. This was the big one. Like I said, we've been planning this thing for almost a year. These guys have such a busy schedule. And, and to let you know how they bent their schedule to work with us, Scott is actually on vacation on one side of the country. Forrest is on the other side of the country. And we somehow managed to pull this thing together. So uh, give a listen to the legends that are the Astonishing Legends. Okay, guys, 100th episode. Go big or go home. That's uh, the motto. And we promised you guys a special guest. And for the first time, I was able to keep a secret for the entire week and not I'm tell surprised. you who it was. So we often refer to our big brothers. And uh, if you listen to the show enough, you know we're talking about astonishing legends. We are joined by Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. I know how busy you are. Well, it's uh, it's great to be here. It's an honor to be on your show. Uh, you have the best logo in the game, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're all using skulls. That's the funny thing. Everybody's got skulls going right now. Oh, scary. But, uh, 
Yeah, but your yours takes the cake. Honestly, I love your logo. When, when you when we first found out about you guys, I saw it. I was just like, oh my god, it's so great. Oh, it's thank so cool. You. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, uh, I really enjoy your your folks' show as well. Uh, what I wanted, what I want to know something about a uh, topic I actually didn't know about. I, I actually really enjoyed your uh, your take on the Sally House because we're going to be there uh, a little less than a month here for the Amelia Earhart Festival, and uh, we're going to stop by. It's like, well, I, I need to know something about this right away, you know. And I, uh, yeah, so it was a great great coverage, uh, good rapport. It's just it's a lot of fun to listen to you guys. So. Uh, you know, again, it's an honor for us too to be on. Thank you. And don't forget about Stowell Cemetery when you're down that way. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I'll be honest with you. I've been such big fans of you guys for a long time. When uh, uh, Jordan actually approached us and invited us to Dark Myths, I was super excited about that. And the main reason was I can't believe we're being invited to the same. Uh, group of podcasts that Astonishing Legends is in. So that was like the biggest thrill. And we tried, I, I reached out, I looked back at my my Twitter feed, and I reached back to Scott about a year ago and initially talked about, you know, trying to set some time to get you guys on. And, and I'd mentioned that we were just getting ready to have our one-year anniversary. And here we are almost a year later actually making it to happen. But that just goes to show how busy both of us, as far as shows-wise, <laughs> go with this moment. Yeah, that's like overnight for us. Yeah, but you guys- yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the same thing as Forrest just said. Podcasting, and especially producing a show regularly, nothing will eat your time up like that. Besides having a kid, which I have both, so it's like a double whammy for me. <laughs> but it's it's crazy how much time the time just flies for me. One day is like three days for everything, whether I'm working or if I took a little vacation or whatever. It's just time just flies. It flies. I can't believe that's a year ago that that we first talked. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. And, you know, while we're on the subject of talking, I, I want to give a big thank you to both of you guys because we've reached out on several occasions just in, in general questions about the podcast game, how to do this, what can improve that. And you guys have always been so gracious with your time to respond and not only just respond, but literally, I mean, I, I've seen – you know, text from you guys that are five, six inches long with just nothing but <laughs> pure advice. And, and not everybody is willing to do that. There's a lot of great people in the podcast game, and we're fortunate enough to know a lot of them. But there are some people out there who don't want to share their knowledge because they feel like maybe there's a competition. And you guys don't fit into that mode. You guys are willing to help anybody and everybody. And that means a lot to, I know, a lot of us out there. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I was going to say, uh, I told Scott this uh, years before we started, it, uh, you know, how just kind of like what the, especially with the paranormal field and anything that's kind of, uh, you know, fringe like this is that it's, it, there's always seemed to be a real, um, like a camaraderie amongst people who are interested in this kind of stuff and talk and want to talk about it and aren't afraid to. Uh, because it is unusual and, you know, we've all, yeah, I've certainly happened to me. I've, I've said before, it's like, you, you know, you're at a party and you might bring up something strange and then, you know, people give you that sideways look like, man, what are you crazy? Like, like, you know, stop talking nonsense to me. And, uh, and you know, you kind of smile and, and, and laugh it off, but it's, I, I think people who are really interested in this field, uh, you know, share something where we were really open and accepting to each other. And that transfers to these projects that we're doing is that we're, we're always ready to help fellow podcasters. And we've certainly got some help ourselves, 
uh, starting off because it's not like you know we started off as professional uh, uh, audio broadcasters. Uh, we didn't know much about it ourselves. I mean, we had a backgrounds in in media editing, and uh, and that certainly helped a little bit. But it's not like you know we knew how to put a show together. It it's all a group effort, you know. So we're all you know it's it's like one big family. I guess is what I'm saying. Let me ask you this. I'm going to go back a little bit because I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that you guys pretty much answered in your first couple of episodes. But for anybody who may not have heard your show, let's start off with how long you guys have known each other and whose idea was it to start the podcast? Uh, Scott, when did when did uh, when do we meet? It's it's actually it's an overlap. It's a, you could call it a Venn diagram of uh, of friends, circles of friends. Yeah, uh, I'm not the best with with years and dates. My wife will tell you that. Like I can't remember. She can remember like what the weather was like when we went on our first date to a movie, which by the way was Ricochet. That's a oh, uh, that's a classic. Oscar Good choice, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Way to impress her. I, I well, yeah. like, if years, I would say. Um, my roommate came with us to the movie also. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, smooth. But, very smooth. Like, I can't remember when we first got introduced either. We had a lot of ancillary friends. This is the crazy thing. We had a lot of ancillary friends. Uh, we were most involved on a on a project, an internet-related project, years ago. Uh, when I say years ago, I mean in the 90s, uh, which didn't go anywhere. And then, um, and that's when I lived in L.A. during that period. But then I moved away for almost 10 years to New York City. And uh, Forrest was an acquaintance for me, but I hadn't, I didn't really think about him that much. And he not, neither he knew me, you know, but then um, my wife and I business brought us back to LA after all that time. And somehow we reconnected and I don't even remember how that happened, but then we, we, uh, I'll ask you this. Do you remember when you moved to New York, what year that was? Oh yeah, I do. Of course I do. It was five days after nine 11. That oh. I remember for sure. <laughs> All right, so 2001. Well, okay, so yeah. I would say then, um, you know, there's there's some common friends that we have uh, yeah. that I've known since 1989, you know, and uh, uh, one common friend uh, uh, we've had actually had on our show, Marty, we call him. Uh, I've known him a long, long time. And then, you know, we all started kind of working in the area of uh, commercial post-production and, uh, and video post-production and, uh you know, so that you kind of commercial kinda, being television commercials. Yeah, television television commercials. Uh, I used to edit uh, trailers, uh, you know, coming attractions, and and uh, start off right out of school uh, helping with that. And so, you know, we kind of had, like I said, overlapping friends, but we didn't really, uh, you know, we so we kind of knew of each other, but didn't really talk or hang out. I right, say, we didn't regard or disregard each other. We yeah, no, no, it was just, right, because there was no, uh, yeah. right, they, so they would, oddly enough, Scott would hang out with our mutual friends, but in different scenarios, and I would, uh, it'd be the same for me, and occasionally you'd see him at a party, and it's like, you know, and uh, yeah, he seemed like a cool dude, but we didn't really talk about any kind of strange stuff that really, you know, I get, like I said, uh, just previously here, that forms that bond. It's like, because oddly enough, uh, with most of our other friends, there's only one or two, well, maybe one, just our friend Travis that is really, really into this stuff. Um, you know, other friends, they'll, they'll kind of entertain any kind of crazy stuff you'll have to hear, but they're not really into it, um, you know, uh, like Travis is. So, uh, like I said, once you find somebody you could talk to about this kind of stuff, uh, there's kind of an instant bond there. And and then I would say as far as the idea of, of the show, was it... Yeah, again, uh, it wasn't until Scott came back from New York, and um, I don't remember how we uh, 
we started hanging up again, probably through mutual friends, because it wouldn't have been a, an organic idea for either of us to just go hang out at each other's places. But um, I think we just started talking. And, and I'll say this, it's, as far as like who came up with the idea, it, it is really one of those kind of um, mutual things that happen. I can't remember who, you know, I'd, I'd had the idea because I was listening to podcasts uh, probably like, you know, starting in 2007 or so. And um, that's that would be a few years before Scott and I uh, hooked up again. And, um, you know, and I wasn't so I, I was aware of the idea. It's like, man, that'd be kind of cool to have a show uh, about the paranormal or just strange historical stories. And then and then once he and I got to talking again uh, for longer periods of time, we realized that we both had an interest. We had some knowledge of it. And uh, and then somehow it's like it's like that multiple. Uh, what do we call it? Scott and I were just talking about that. We're, we're two different people come up with the same idea nearly simultaneously but well but yeah sim- it's like the tv was invented at the same time in uh the u.s and germany at the same time yeah philo t vladimir, vladimir yeah philo t farnsworth and vladimir zwartikin i think they both came up there with it at the same time and so it, it was that kind of thing and and i think um we just were and i had been uh i had been for whatever 15 plus years editing tv commercials and i stopped with doing that to take care of my son when he was uh when he was younger and my and my wife kept working because she made more than i did anyway and then (laughs) and then after after he got old enough where it was time for me to get back to work i didn't want to go back to what i was doing before so i thought you know i think that at that point we started our conversation about it and we just figured you know we'd give it a shot we didn't know if it would work or not and you know, yeah, we're certainly well, per, not, we're certainly it, not getting rich, but we're we're supporting ourselves, so that's good. <laughs> something, yeah. I mean, it's something. Um, you know, you're your own boss. You can you could sit there editing for you know twelve, fourteen hours a day, which you know both he and I used to do. And uh, at least with his stuff, uh, people see it. With with mine, it was more industrial, so <laughs> a couple hundred people saw it. <laughs> um, and it's like, well, that was a lot of effort. I'm glad it came out well, but like, you know, uh, what's this for? I'm glad it helped our client, of course, but, um, there's no outreach to it. So, uh, so again, with different projects, it's like, oddly enough, somebody has suggested to me, uh, one of my friends, uh, a few years before that to, that I should start a podcast, but with this other friend of theirs, um, at the time and uh, but it was a different subject i think it was going to be like politics and some you know some humor it's like well yeah i mean it's i don't one like to really talk politics with people and and i'm not that i mean i keep abreast of stuff but uh it's not like it it's a real serious diehard interest with me um so i kind of like well that's interesting idea to start your own show because anybody can do it you know and and uh it, there's no network needed. You just, you just do it. You figure out how it's to meritocracy. How to it's one of exactly. it's, it's a great time. It's a great time to be in pocket. By the way, I don't know if you guys edit your show, uh, Jeremy, but like uh, it's if you if you're ever needed an editor, you're going to need it when uh, Forrest and I are on because we'll talk. <laughs> well, that's, whatever. Well, that's that's just you just clip the end off after uh, yeah. <laughs> time that you're you're full of us, but. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it, it, it came. So the idea was out there. It's just like, but I didn't, you know, neither of us kind of put it together, uh, until we started, uh, talking to each other. And I guess, you know, I'll say this, it's, it's the subject matter, really. It was, it was the idea of these strange historical mysteries. And, uh, you know, we discussed stuff like dead water and, um, disappearances and, uh, the, the paranormal. And, uh, I, I, you know, I grew up 
always having an interest in all that kind of stuff, uh, especially paranormal and supernatural stuff. And, um, and then we, you know, then it clicked and I don't know who said it first, but it's like, you know, we, we could, we could have our own show talking about this. And then the, the next click is that, you know, we both have backgrounds in creating, um, audio and video media. We got the, we got the scoop. We just, we just need a, a little bit of gear and a place to do it and, and an idea of how to uh, structure it, which we did not have. <laughs> you know, we just kind of started winging it the first few shows. And then, you know, that, that takes care of itself. And hopefully if you, if you listen to the, you know, constructive feedback and you listen to your own show and, and um, you know, he, again, he and I had a little bit of background, how to construct a story uh, from, you know, being editors, that's what you have to do with, uh, with the material you've caught and captured and then uh you know so it's like well all right well we got a leg up on this now we just have to do it and uh and i, I always love to say it in this that you know scott and i always talk about or, or expresses that it may it may be the second hardest thing to do which is starting the podcast figuring all that out getting the gear and subjects and, and writing it the first thing that might be the hardest is actually keeping it going uh, so once you start you realize like man this is this is a, a fair bit of work, even if you're just, you know, uh, having a few drinks and talking about movies, which now I look back and wish we'd, we'd actually done that. <laughs> it just takes less research. But you realize, like, man, keeping this going is it's a commitment. It's a it's a it's a full time endeavor. And um, and that's a hard thing to do. Just realizing that, uh, yeah, you got to keep this going if you want this to to be anything. Well, that that's going to be a perfect lead in to the next question that I had for you guys. But in response to what you said, Scott, I was well aware of what I was getting into with you guys because one of you could stump your toe and you'll make three episodes about it. So I know <laughs> how awesome that you, you know, but, but that leads me to this next question. Research. You guys have, um, you got some, some people that help you out with research on the show, correct? Well, we, we do it. We have a group of researchers called the Astonishing Research Corps, which it, it's funny that came out from volunteers who reached out to us and wanted to participate they were you know interested in helping us because they were interested in the topics and um you know forrest and i talked about it and we tried to figure out a way to organize that and we wound up organizing it uh using a third-party app that's kind of like slack which is the one a lot of people know of but uh we use an app called river r-y-v-e-r and um and we have i think at any given moment 60 or 70 people in there which is pretty amazing uh but uh, i would say uh, at any particular time, only about a dozen of them are active, and some of those on each particular are, topic, yeah, yeah, on each particular topic. And some people come and go. Some are active on every topic, but only a percentage of them are active on on uh, specific topics if they have expertise in that area. Um, and it, it started out with just people who were really into research and sort of uh, geeking out about researching a particular kind of thing. And um, then it turned into um, uh, having people with specific disciplines, like, um, I'm sorry, can, can you guys hang on one second? Sure. I, I think that um, there was uh, a point at which we, you know, started to get people who were like had master's degrees in anthropology and sociology, and then it got really amazing. It was a lot of people that, uh, and they're in there now, that are have so much better education than we do and and that's really awesome so um they do compile a lot of information they go through we throw them i, I always think of it as like throwing meat into the pit of lions you know in rome or whatever they, they're just they can't wait for the next topic they start hassling us 
the minute a show's gone on the air. What's next? What's next? And then we're just like, okay, dig down on this, dig down on that. And they go crazy and they dredge up all this stuff. And it's really, really amazing. And dredging is a good word for it because just, you know, the silt and the water and all that, it's metaphorically, it's like a perfect thing. Um, and, and it gets organized and it gets watered down and gets managed by Tess, who was our original. She was the first volunteer and she's kind of our, our, our right-hand our right hand man or our right-hand woman. And she takes care, she manages it all. And uh, being recently out of college, which college is uh, in the distant rear view for both me and Forrest, <laughs> she helps us, she helps us uh, maintain that. And um, it's really cool. But, uh, but on the other hand, there's a, there's a part of the flavor of our show that really is just, it has to just be what Forrest and I take away from it, uh, from the stuff that, the, that those people dig up. But also if we read, um, the most prominent book on the topic, or if we can get an interview with the author, which we always try to get, but we don't always, all that stuff plays together. So um, it, it, the research core is just, the synergy of it is just unreal. And um, we're so lucky to have it. And uh, I, I just, am, I'm super grateful for it. And, and, and it's, it, and they're all volunteers. And it's like one of our, one of our original people in there her husband calls it free search <laughs> we don't pay him we don't pay free no. yeah yeah uh, they have to we... sign like an nda and like a couple of other documents before we'll even let them in <laughs> that sounds a little more but formal but yeah no yeah. We'd, we'd always had an idea of somehow making this interactive again uh, you know owing back to that feeling of um you know uh, of fellowship and fraternity and and uh and a group of people you know we're all a bunch of kind nerds who love this kind of stuff and and uh you know let's let's group that energy together and and make it interactive we just didn't really know how it was going to happen i mean you know we'd always do like well you know that'd be cool if people wrote us and we could share stories and stuff and and uh you know he and i just always love to uh, collect stories uh we just love hearing these kinds of stories anyway and and getting other people together and that kind of yeah we had so many people reaching out saying like hey you know what i'm i'm really interested in this field or, or basically I, I i'm a librarian i have access to this stuff and internet resources uh like lexus nexus that you may not have and i can, I can contribute that's my favorite yeah, yeah. jstor and, and some of these academic outlets it's like that that's fantastic so uh so sure but at the end of it, it's always going to be uh, Scott and I um, taking all these bits of information and trying to find a storyline through it. Uh, because, you know, what you'll see is like it's just natural human nature to, like, start throwing stuff in there. It's like, well, that's fascinating, but it's it's a little, I mean, you know, accuse us of, uh, you know, ourselves. <laughs> we always go on tangents, of course. But trying to tie it in and, and trying to find that through line um, that tells the story you know and, and so what we find is that sure there's there's a lot of people that just they just want to hear what the definition is it's like it'll, again like with sally house just what is it is, is it the house named sally what what is it well, i've heard it's haunted what's the deal with that like what what's going on there and it's like well it's okay it's a house in kansas and it's haunted and they uh like your show would would tell us it's like you know most of the activity happened uh, not in the in the distant past but you know, in the in the uh, mid to late 90s and all that. And uh, they're like, OK, good, fine. Thank you. That's enough. I don't go on. That's all I needed to know. I've got a bunch of other shows to get to. And and that's fine. So we try to give that to the people, uh, you know, to the listener up front. But then for folks like ourselves and it's yeah, it's it's self-indulgent, but you can do this with this medium. It's like I, I want to know more. I want to I want to keep digging 
until we find a story here that that tells this and maybe connect it to other things. And uh, you know, so some of it is is part of that. Was the other name for the show? The astonishing. <laughs> it was astonishing legends or self indulgent. Self indulgent <laughs> tangents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that might that might be fitting. But you know, it, it also is part of uh, Scott and and my nature. Uh, that kind of obsessive digging for the facts, wanting to know the whole story. Give us the backstory. Uh, let's see how much we can dig until we're kind of sick of it. And, then, and hopefully, you know, other, most of the other listeners aren't as well at that point. But, you know, that's just kind of our nature. And that's, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's a lot more work. But it's at the end of it, when we get done with a topic, man, we just feel like, okay, uh, I think I know what this is. We don't have any answers as to what's, what's causing a paranormal thing. But at least we know about it to our satisfaction. And well, we and Forrest, coined, Forrest coined this phrase, honestly, but like I, I do try to think about it whenever we, especially when we cover something that's more famous. Sometimes we we pick up something that's esoteric and no one's ever heard of, but in other times when we cover something that everyone's heard of that that's super well known, um, he he says, you know, let let's be the podcast of record on this, and that's what we try to be. We want to be the podcast of record, and if uh, and if other shows want to cover it, that's great. We don't, there's no animosity. Whatever, everybody can cover everything they want. That's amazing, but we want to be the last place you have to go to get all the information. Well, there's no doubt that's what sets you guys apart from everybody else, and I think if that's what you're trying to accomplish, I think you've done that because I know one of the compliments that we get in a lot of the the reviews that we see or people writing us is you guys do so much research, but compared to what you guys do, I mean, that's, that's, that's what sets it apart. I mean, we did the, the Hopkinsville goblins and I think we did like an hour and 20 minute episode and that was half of it. So literally 35, 40 minutes, you guys did like three or four episodes on it. And they were hour and a half episodes. And it's like, and I'm sitting. No stopping crazy energy like that. But I'm sitting back thinking, I couldn't really find anything else to make it last. And you guys get every ounce out of every little bit of information. And you do it in a fun way. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. It's not just the research. The other thing is our, our, our own personal perspectives. Because we both are. Our perspectives, um, they overlap. Like, you know, Forrest mentioned a Venn diagram earlier. There's there's Venn diagram where he and I, our perspectives overlap, but there's also parts that don't intersect. So even when we get all the information and all the knowledge or, or whatever, the research and all that, uh, after that, there's still our own personal take on it. And uh, we want to we wanna bring that into the mix, um, whether specifically with uh, Kelly Hopkinsville, the, this whole idea of, a bunch of rednecks getting drunk and and thinking owls are aliens and it, like I want to drill down on that because I'm from the South, you know. And Forrest is from an unnamed region in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> somewhere. But like, but my point is just like that. You don't want to let that kind of thing go, you know. And um and so it, it brings a whole other dimension. And next thing you know, you've got an extra episode. So, well, that's yeah. I mean that one, you know, like a lot of our stories. uh you know, we're we're trying to find that extra angle, and not not to like have to, you know, we're forcibly dragging it out. We just, you know, in fact, Scott and I and, and Tess just had this conversation uh, via text just a few hours ago about, you know, at what point is it start to, you know, become, you know, beating a dead horse with this stuff, and and uh, and not not trying to say the same things, but trying to find uh, a new angle on it. And if and if you look at uh, Kelly Hopkinsville, it's like, yeah, there's the story of the incident that happened. 
Um, you can dig up several sources and find that. But what's the human angle? Because, you know, with he and I, it's like there's a, that's not enough to it, it, you'll it, what's interesting is you'll find a lot of people will be satisfied with that. Like, oh, yeah, it's a bunch of rednecks. They're all the whole family, you know, all 12 of them are drunk and they're seeing stuff. It's like that doesn't sound right. I mean, we, we know people who are, you know, I got tons of rural folks in my in my family and they're good, upstanding people. And, you know, it's it, so again, now trying to do maybe a little bit of justice with this. It's like I don't think that's the whole story. I don't I don't buy that, that these people would be that freaked out plus that amount of uh interest from the government it seems in local authorities and the military that there's something else going on here and so we'll we'll keep digging and uh, and and try and tell the human angle because it's not just the event there's people involved with these events that experience them and you know these families have to now live with that with their family name is that is it does it keep being trashed because well, your you know your great uncles and aunt, great aunts and, and and grandparents, yeah, they're they're just a bunch of people who made up stuff for publicity, trying to try to get rich. It's like, well, no one got rich off that, and they've suffered nothing but ridicule, and they're now cemented in history. So, what's the story there? Is there something that we could find that that tells more of that and what their angle is? And then you'll find little gems here. Well, that that kind of caused a little bit of dust up. It's like, you know, in peripheral research, we found this paper that used. Uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville example as, um, you know, as, as basically an element of pseudoscience. And people think, well, well, yeah, you're trashing that paper that had a lot of good ideas. Like, no, we're not. Uh, that paper did have a lot of good ideas about what to be wary of and what not to teach when it comes to preposterous claims and pseudoscience. Uh, but the example they used as, well, here's here's the definitive example, or at least one of them. It's this case. Turns out you know, they were all drunk and they saw owls and they said it came from this paper. We said, no, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, we, we can't tell you exactly what happened, but that bit is wrong. So when we pointed that out, it's like, well, uh, hopefully that's one thing that can be kind of cleared up that we did. And, you know, not, not many, uh, you know, not many people of the scientific community take this field that seriously. Fortunately, some do that, that are very well credentialed and very analytical, but uh, you know, when we when we find a little gem like that, there you go. That's that's you know maybe a, a fleshed out part of the whole idea of the story, and not just what happened on that night. Let me ask you this, guys: the the podcast has definitely taken on a life of its own. First of all, does it surprise you that it took off the way that it did? And second of all, what has been the most gratifying part of the success of the show, whether it be like an email from a listener that told you how it made an impact in our life or something of that nature? So what what uh, are both your guys' opinions on those? Boris, uh, do you want to go first on that or do you want me to? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll go first. I'll, keep, I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, as far as... Um, it, it taking off, I mean, you know, everybody does this, uh, Jerry, you know, uh, Tracy, you probably, you know, when you first start your project, you're always checking the numbers. It's like, wow, look, look at that. We got a thousand listeners, that thousand downloads. That's cool. And then it, and it builds and it, and it grows. And, and, you know, you folks have experienced a, a good growth that's, that's steady and, and gaining popularity. And that's very satisfying. And then, uh, it starts to, to double and then at some point you just don't have time to keep checking or you do every once in a while just to keep track of it but you know of course it's like anything else you're starting off and it's you're checking it every day it's like how did that how that episode do and then you get to a, a milestone number and that's 
that's very satisfying. And then, um, you know, hopefully you're you're not losing track of the fact that what comes first is still trying to make the show as good as it can be every time and continuously improving it any way that you can and and fine-tuning it. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, we got a long ways to go. I would, you know, we're... I would say in the world of podcasts, we're probably squarely in the middle. I mean, there's certainly shows that are much more huge uh, than us with uh, with millions of listeners. And, uh, you know, we can't be worried about that. So uh, but we are very satisfied, very grateful to all the people that that listen and, and, uh, you know, are part of the fan base and continue to listen and, and, and tell others. And because this medium still really is about word of mouth. Uh, there's no advertising for podcasts uh, individually on you know, on TV or anything, or you might see some listed in an article, but really it's people reaching out to their friends and saying, you got to listen to this. Sorry. Uh, you know, you've got to listen to this and that's what spreads the word. So, and then when that happens, I think getting to the part where it's, um, gratifying is that especially with, uh, specifically to the paranormal field is that it's such a strange and weird and very personal thing that, you know, decades ago or even a few years ago, and even now, of course, people don't want to talk about it because if you bring it up and it sounds preposterous, you know, a lot of people still think, well, you're crazy or you're shining me on or you're trying to make a buck or, you know, you're 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 trying to get away with something. And uh, and basically, if you believe that you're nuts. And so there's a stigma attached to it. And so they don't they don't want to tell anybody else. It's uh, but I've always known that, you know, when you start asking people and you're sincere about it and you get them to open up and you you, you let them know you're not going to ridicule them. I mean, you might question it like they do, but you're not going to make fun of them and you're not going to brand them a loony. Uh, they'll tell they'll tell you stories uh, that they may have not told many other people, even in their own families. And when they feel like they can share that with us, when we get emails like that and and messages and, and people in the Facebook group sharing that, like that's very satisfying because the thing that we hear over and over from somebody, especially if they've experienced something really dramatic and profound and, and maybe terrifying, often terrifying, is that they just they just wanted to know, they wanted to hear from someone else that they weren't crazy because they're questioning it themselves. These things that happen to people are just there's they're so out of this out of this world that they defy explanation or or belief and these people that experience it aren't even sure that they experienced what they did themselves and so they they want to hear someone else with a, a similar story or that uh we we're hearing you we can't tell you what that is but we believe that you believe it we believe that you experienced something um that's out of this world and and uh, that's very gratifying and then probably the second part here the last part of my answer here is uh when we do a topic and and maybe it's academic, but like we, what we just did with uh, Gebekli Tepe is that uh, we will, we've gotten a few letters, uh, emails from archaeologists and, uh, and some people in the academic field who have actually studied out, out in the field. And, and when they say like, hey, you guys, uh, you pretty much got it right. I mean, you had a few things that uh, you need some clarification on, but overall, like, good job. That's you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's you you are correct. That to me is very satisfying. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you're done. Uh oh. Scott fell asleep. 
He's, I know. That, that often no, happens. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, in my, right, in my I defense, I stepped out of for a second to refill my drink. I apologize. Yeah, right. That's um, a, that's Forrest a was talking. <laughs> in my defense, what will happen is he does that with texts. And that uh, he'll start a text, and then it's that whole thing. It's like he, he's, he's texting me three questions like, oh, I'll, all right, let me answer this. And you hear it, ding. <laughs> Ding, ding. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go walk away, make a sandwich, and come back after your tenth, your tenth text. Oh, no. All right, wait, wait, wait. All right, all right, all right. So here, here's what I'm going to say in answer to that question. I'm going to say two things. I think in terms of what has surprised me, not surprised me, I'm like, I, I guess one thing that I'm grateful for is that there, that there's an audience out there for shows like ours and I, and you guys, and us, and everybody. Like, because the genre wasn't huge. Podcasting itself wasn't huge, but it's gotten bigger. And uh, we give a big nod to Jim Harold, who went before all of us in the in the paranormal podcast field. And and we yeah. have I met him in person in Kenton, Ohio, and are huge fans of him. He's a, such a, a a nice guy. And um, but he kind of he kind of blazed that trail. But I think the, the other thing that I would say is that it's fascinating to me. I guess the, the stories that um, that we've come across that have affected other people. We've had a few listeners. We had, we've had two instances, and this is crazy that we haven't done a follow-up on this yet, but where people contacted us and literally said that we saved their lives. And um, one of them that we, 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 and I'm not trying to be grandiose. This is not like, oh, I'm, look at me. I'm the grandiose. Host, <laughs> it's whatever. a fluke on our part. We just. Yeah, we just, it's a fluke. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure. We brought up some information, paid. though. Yeah, yeah, we brought up some, and so one of them it was particularly related to um, the story, that, the series that we did on uh, on Elise Michelle, which was the uh, possession, which was the um, the inspiration for the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and all of that. So, uh, and that's something that we're following through on. But there's people that have, have listened to the show, and, and it's had a profound effect on them, and that's something that I never expected. That was a surprise for me that that actually happened, and I think also. I've been surprised by the size of the audience and all of that as well. We knew, I think, both internally, Forrest and I knew that the show would be, it was something that was interesting and that we would have an audience for it. But to have those kinds of things happening, uh, that's been super fascinating. So, uh, and that's something that we're hoping to follow through on to our influence on, on listeners like that uh, in, the, in the coming year. So I got two questions to end on, and they, they tie into each other. First of all, who chooses the topics? I mean, is this something that you guys just say, hey, here's a topic we want to do, and then you tell researchers and have them start on it? Or do you get topics from sometimes just from the researchers saying, hey, here's something cool? Or a combination of both. Well, the interesting thing about that is that Forrest and I had a long list before we even started the show of uh, of hundreds of potential ideas, and we have a folder that we keep them all in. And I think uh, I think for us, and this is part of what hurts us and helps us. We we can't get too far ahead because. When we do topics, we want to uh, we want to change gears, and we don't want to get stuck in a rut. We want to, we want to we want to pick something that's going to be interesting, where it's not just like oh well we've just done five UFO episodes or five paranormal episodes or five whatever. So we try to keep it mixed up, and I think even though we try to make a list of or you know and it, it doesn't go too far ahead, but two or three topics uh, we're going to do this next and that next and that next to keep it fresh. 
other times we just sit down and we hear about something and it's like, oh, did you hear about that, you know, Nazi gold train? There's a train buried that has all this stuff on it or what, what happened to the Amber Room or all these other topics. And we have stuff like that in a folder that we can always drill down on. But in other cases, something will come up and it's not in the folder. It's nothing the researchers know about. And we'll just be like, that's we got to do this. We got to cover this. And, and it just happens. And then we just go for it. And so in a way, that's a restriction, but it's also liberating. It's a restriction in that it prevents us from being able to plan things way ahead of time. But in another way, it's liberating in that we we can look at where we've been and say, how are we going to mix this up and do something new? And uh, we can just jump off the cliff on it. And that's the great thing about our research group. They are open to whatever. They are, they're just ready. No matter how crazy it gets, we can just we can just drop something in there and be like, you know what? I know we said we were going to do this next, but we've got a fascination with X, Y, and Z. Drill down on this. Get us everything you can in three days, and let's see what happens. And, and I mean, that's that's my personal take on it. I don't know what you would say, Forrest. Well, it's yeah, it, it's uh, it's a lot like that. It's also um, uh, you know, there's some spontaneity uh, spontaneity. I can't say spontaneity. There's some spontaneity to it and uh, some improvising as far as ideas. Uh, Scott and I both, uh, we have to pitch the idea to each other. There's Yes, we have this uh, running document that's got all these ideas uh, since the beginning. Plus, when people send them to us, I make a note of them and uh, try to remember who's, who sent it to us uh, as a shout-out. And uh, But a lot of it is um, maybe less for Scott, but I really love surprises like that I, I love to keep people uh in the suspense and uh even myself and not really knowing uh what we're going to do we certainly have ideas that we want to do like for the year it's like well we should we should cover this uh, you know case in point we just did uh, like i said with uh gebekli tepe is that uh you know i got that andrew collins book uh, a couple years ago and it's like man this is gonna be a big meaty topic and uh but it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be really in depth but it's going to be involved because a lot of it has to do with archaeology and uh, ancient cultures and all that and of course that's not you know we don't have degrees in that so we're gonna have to cull together a lot of information and so you know we probably wouldn't try to do two back-to-back type stories like that now there there are shows that uh, great shows uh, that just do UFO stories and, or just do ghost stories, and uh, and that's great. But uh, you know, I think we always had an idea of like we're going to try and do as silly as it might sound, try and do as much as we can, as you know, a whole range of these interesting topics because we're interested personally in all of it. And so then what you have is like okay, to keep everyone else interested at the same time, let's try and mix it up. So yeah, we're not doing maybe four UFO stories in a row. Uh, but if there's a connection, uh, you know, we've certainly done that where it's just once played into the other because of that overriding theme, everything's connected, is that we'll find a pattern like, man, this will be a good follow-up. And it's just different enough that it's people won't think it's kind of this, you're covering the same thing. Because that's what we've noticed with our group is that some people are into it, uh, different topics, like some people really love Bigfoot. A lot of others just couldn't care less. They might listen or they might tune it out and that's fine. But they'll just come back when it's something else that uh, they're more interested in. So, so again, I think we try and play it uh, uh, kind of loose and be flexible and ready to go. But it's a lot of, I would say, a lot of inspiration that happens 
right before we pick one. And again, some of it's based on schedule or, or the size of the topic. Like, you know, we might try to pick one that's like, well, this might be a little easier, especially coming off of this big meaty one. Uh, you know, still interesting, but uh, maybe less taxing on us. And then plan another big topic a little further down or, you know, when we'll have, uh, you know, especially off a, off a dark week when we'll have a good solid weekend of, of not having to produce a regular show to do even more research and come up with it. So, uh, but yeah, we, you know, we, we kind of pick from this list a lot of times. It's just, I would say it's uh, with Scott and I, it's just, it's just inspiration. Something will strike or he'll send me a link on something like there you go. That's the next topic, and uh, and then it re- it feels really good. Uh, a couple of times though, we've we've kind of come up with something, and again, that auditioning process between the two of us, it's like, I don't know, is there enough here? Is there uh, there's some interesting facts, but um, is this going to be enough to loop the story around and make it make it out of something? So, uh, yeah. So I would say that's that's the fun part for me is that that kind of inspirational factor to it. This is what we'll end on. I like to ask this of, of any show that does multiple topics such as you you do guys do. What for each one of you has been your favorite topic once it was all said and done that you've covered on the show? Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I all of them, have, honestly, I've enjoyed a lot of them. And it's funny because when I look at our statistics uh, in terms of listening, I'm sometimes surprised at what gets listened to and what doesn't. But um, I guess for me personally, and, I, and I've said this, I'm like a broken record with it, but I, I've, been, I've had a personal fascination with Skinwalker Ranch because it plays into my whole, I guess, it, it, incredulousness with regard to um, the connections to the real world and, and the, the way that that property is connected to Robert Bigelow and the, and the space station and NASA and I'm seeing him on 60 Minutes and all that and, and the books and all the, all the research that's been done there at that place there's something about that that really freaks me out because a lot of the stories that we approach it's, you know, it's, a couple of, it's a couple of folks that are uh, isolated and they're reporting on events that have happened in a vacuum and that place is cor- corroborated i've gotten in trouble for my pronunciation <laughs> he's gotten better at it <laughs> yeah i'm trying to did i say it right just then corroborated <laughs> close enough um yeah uh, because it is uh that that story has so many corroborations between uh the media and the people that are involved in it there's something about it that feels super real to me and it's it's one of the most um it's one of the most effective cases of something that like that that's it's crazy. And I guess also I think um, uh, we did a series called The Sludge Entity, and um, that that story for me with respect to uh, faith and um, the kind of things that uh, that affect <laughs> uh, how you perceive good and evil in the world. Uh, that's definitely affected my personal viewpoint as well. So that, that that's what I would say for me. And for me, those those are, uh, I guess, my favorites because it it did that to Scott. <laughs> and it uh, it not only did it move his needle, it kind of snapped off the point and that you know jabbed him in the thigh with it. It's this it kind of a uh, not a wake up call. It's just I've seen his perspective and perceptions on things change uh, over the. Uh, 
over three years now that we've been doing this. And it's not to change his mind. It's it's uh, or that I wanted to change it or I thought it should it should go a certain direction. But I when we were first talking about this, I, I, I've talked about this story before. Uh, we were joking around, just having a, a couple of drinks and and, you know, just talking about what this could be and, and what might it turn, you know, what it might turn into. And uh, I just kind of jokingly said, like, this is this is going to change your opinion on stuff. You know, once we get into this stuff will start happening to you, not necessarily paranormal things, but just things of thought. You, it's just gonna. This is gonna tweak your thinking on stuff, and I'm not sure if he remembered that, or, or you know, uh, took it to heart. But I just, uh, I just knew I didn't. that. Um, I did. Well, okay, yeah, right. I thought so. I'm gonna say you were right. You were right. <laughs> well, you were well, thank right. you very much. No, I just, I just knew that the. It's like I because the only reason I said that is that I've just known from other people too who've gotten into this research. Um, even uh, we, you know, we took a controlled remote viewing class with Lori Williams. Uh, who we had featured on the Flight 19 episode, and, and and I'd asked her. I said, like, once you start delving into these kind of topics and studying them and and researching, do more strange things happen to you? Do you notice more things? And she, she said, oh yeah. It's it's like once you start noticing, it's like the the things, the uh, if you want to say entities or events or forces kind of start to notice you in a way, and you. I will, just by the way, I just want to quickly say to all our listeners. I want you to know, and we've never said this on the show, that Forrest has taken a controlled remote viewing class. <laughs> He's there. Think. He's with you now. Oh, he, no. He, he can look in your closet. <laughs> I wish you'd take it with me because you, you'd know that that's not how it works. But <laughs> no, I wanted, no, 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 no. I'm joking. I, yeah. I wanted to take it, but I, I couldn't because we were so busy. But, like, it's so I'm, – I'm envious. It's such a great thing to be able to no, do something it's, like it's, that. Uh, but that's, that's – the journey that that's uh you know when you, i you know as far as topics it's like it's so hard for me to to pick one that's had um you know a major influence like that for me because i've approached this subject matter in general differently from scott and as i've come to to know and be able to define over over these few years is that uh it's such a personal thing there's no one answer that fits everybody and and that's really frustrating for a lot of people it's like well just just tell me how you know do ghosts exist or they work because i don't believe any of that it's like well i can't it doesn't matter what i tell you you're not going to believe what i tell you because and that answer is not for you anyway your answer involves your own personal journey and and your how you define your beliefs and and how those evolve uh for you and those have got to suit you because Nothing I tell you is, you know, about anything is going to make an impact. People aren't convinced uh, through me, you know, from us telling you. You might consider it, and that's all I could hope for is that, you know, by sharing these stories, like the sludge entity, and again, that had a lot of personal meaning for me because it's a friend I've known uh, 30 years now. And uh, we fell out of contact, but, you know, always remained friends. And it wasn't, again, getting back to, you know, tying this back into people telling that story. Had he not known or found out, you know, second or third or fourth hand that we had a podcast, I would have never heard that story. I would have never have known that this happened to him. But him telling this, the story to us, it's like, man, I, I, you know, that just that blows me away, and I'm accepting of it. I, I, dude, I believe you. And if you want, if you're, if you got that kind of courage, I, we would love to have you tell the story on the show. And, and uh, he and his wife agreed to. Uh, you know, and again, same same scenario. They'd had a lot of family members and friends who, I would say, think that, thought that they were crazy, but just like 
why do, we don't know what that is and we want to kind of not be around you so much and that's a terrible painful thing to have to go through when from your perspective all you're trying to do is tell the truth and so you, you stop doing it and so that story had a lot of personal emotional feeling for me because i know these people they're 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 decent truth-telling folks you know i again you maybe not maybe not be able to define all that they experienced but you can a little bit and that's what we try to do uh with some people weighing in and but mostly to get the story out there and we've had a lot of again what's really satisfying is that people write in and like you know i had something similar i i was so thankful to hear that because i know we're not alone and that's all we wanted to hear this it's just not happening to just us so so yeah i guess stories like that but as far as all the other topics it's like i'm just so thankful i've gotten an opportunity to kind of formally find out about them which has been a lifelong you know uh goal of mine uh, a bucket list thing is like just find out all find out about all these things that interest me uh but never had the time to really get into it so that's one thing that this show has been able to, to deliver for us, I think. Scott Forrest, I cannot thank you guys enough. This has been so much fun for me. I know the listeners are enjoying it so much. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you guys on social media. Um, well, we are present on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We also have a Facebook group, a closed group, but you can join it, and uh, they will let you in, our admins in most cases and um uh twitter and we're also on instagram we used to be on tumblr but we stopped maintaining that <laughs> it's, uh, there. It's, just, <laughs> it's there it's there it was some really cool it. stuff on there just uh yeah it was rough so yeah so i would say facebook uh twitter instagram and then uh that's that's probably it otherwise you can and, and i'm more active on twitter than anything on behalf of the show and then uh, you can also uh, visit us at Patreon if you want to uh, see us that way. And yeah, otherwise, Apple, Apple yes. Podcasts. Uh, yeah, anywhere. Any of those Audio Boom. Uh, you'll you'll find us. Um, and uh, and also, Scott forgets about this, but we have a website that I, <laughs> I have to. I usually add pages oh, yeah, to a lot of our, our links. So <laughs> if you go to astonishinglegends.com, you'll see uh, an individual page. The main splash page, the, the front page there, will show you uh, like all the re most recent episodes, plus you can get to the archives and all the other things we talk about. But for each episode we do, we have our own separate page, which will have uh, some pictures, but a lot of the links that we use to, uh, you know, to, to research the show and some related stuff. So uh, not everybody goes there, but a lot of people who do find a lot to be a lot of fun because if... Um, you know, if you like the subject, you probably love rabbit holes and diving into them, and, and that's a good place to start. That's uh, days of, of of rabbit holes and and, uh, and just all kinds of strange stuff in there. So uh, so certainly check that out, too. Guys, that's, uh, it's been fun, and, and you mentioned Patreon. You, you guys had, like, the best Patreon video ever. So. <laughs> <That was laughs> Thank you, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we, again, the early days when we had no clue as to uh, what you know what we should look like or be doing, <laughs> you know, or looking like while we're doing it. It's uh, but we're glad you like it. <laughs> that was yeah. an early one, though. It was fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all your help, all your support, and uh, like I said, thanks for ruining uh, the listeners' version of Skinwalker Ranch for us because we didn't do it. <laughs> we didn't do it after you guys did it because we kept having people ask, and I'm like, what? Do, how the hell are we gonna top that? So we just won't do it at all. So that's <laughs> well, no, Jerry, Jerry. Here's the point: is that you, there's there's things that we didn't ever get to that are still developing, and and so 
again, you can, you'll find a story in there that even we didn't touch or something, or that develops into something else. These, you know, that's the one great thing about these types of, uh, you know, the genres that, uh, these things unfold into so many different connections and areas that people didn't think about. But, uh, but yeah, you'll have to do some, you know, get out your shovel and do some digging, but they're there. I'm, I'm giving people a chance to forget yours first and then we'll dig into <laughs> it. No, like, well, this episode, you guys, obviously we're, we're not, um, haven't recorded it yet and you guys haven't heard it but we're diving into similar uh, grounds we're doing the Bridgewater Triangle which oh, yeah. you know oh, cool. that touches kind of the same topics of having an area where everything happens so um, yeah. so it's going to be fun but thank you guys man we appreciate all your help hey all thank right, you so much well, it's a, it was an honor to be on your show thank you guys so much for having us on we really appreciate it and uh, we look forward to doing it again sometime yeah, awesome. we again. We really enjoy what you're doing over there. It's it's uh, uh, you know one of my favorite podcasts. To listen to it, and again, just uh, for stuff. Uh, I just want to see what you guys do with it. It's usually all it, it well. It's always entertaining. But what I'm going to say, usually there's going to be one or two tidbits in there that I had no idea about, and that's so that's so much fun. But we just that's make those things up. So that's that's what we do. We just make, <laughs> and then that way we're guaranteed to have <laughs> no, something different. <laughs> so. I, you have people like, I didn't know Bigfoot had pink toenail polish. Well, yeah, he does because. Hey, you might joke about that. I guarantee somebody out there has made that claim. It's just, just never-ending, and it's, it's just never-ending fun. Well, thank you, guys, and we'll be seeing you soon sometime in person, I hope. Yeah, okay, let's make great. that happen. Bye, guys. It was nice listening to you all. All right, nice talking to you. You guys yes, take thank care. thank you. Can't say enough thanks for them guys making the time for us that was exactly what we were hoping for a hundredth episode is to have somebody special like them so thank you guys so much we appreciate it all right so here's our way of giving you guys some extra things i'm not going to go into a ton of details i'm just going to say i've had several of the listeners say man i wish you guys did stories every single day well you're going to have your opportunity for that. What we've decided we're going to do on Patreon, starting even at a dollar a month, if you're a dollar Patreon, you're going to get at least one mini episode. That's about an eight to ten minute episode. Of, these are the stories that are too small to do on the, on the regular shows, but we're going to go ahead and give you a small one. On the dollar, you're going to get one of those a week. So you're going to get at least four a month. Those are guaranteed. On the $3, which is the Ninja Buddy one, you're going to get two of those a week. So just for $3 a month, you're going to get eight mini episodes. On top of, on the $3 one, you get already get a full-length bonus episode. The $5, which is the Hillbilly Extraordinaire, you're going to get three mini bonus episodes a week. On top of getting a 10% discount on all merchandise in our store. That's new. It used to just be shirts. Now it's going to be all merchandise. Then you've got the $10 one we had. That's the ultimate hillbilly. That one you're going to get four mini episodes a week. You also get 15% off. That was 10% before. Now you get 15% off on any merchandise in the store. And then we added this one. This one's completely brand new. $15, you get six mini-episodes if you pledge $15 a month. Six mini-episodes, 20% off of all merchandise in our store. 
anytime, as many as you want to buy. Now, on the $10 and the $15, six months of being a patron, we're going to give you a free shirt. 12 months, we're going to give you another free shirt. So you're giving us money, but we're going to turn right around and give it back to you after you've pledged for six months. So there's a lot more that goes with that. With the, the $10 and the $15 one, you get Skype calls once a month if you want them. Most people don't. We do have two that take us up on that, and we have not done as good a job as we need to on those, but I promise you um, we're going to make good on those. Just schedule. With, unfortunately, the two that we've got, some, there's time restraints from the uh, they're in different parts of the country different parts of the world and it makes it hard to, to communicate all the time with all of us together but we're going to do our best to take care of that problem uh, asap so that's what we got we love you guys we can't thank you enough for everything that you do for us and this is our way of saying look we would love to be able to do this full time the only way we can do it full time is if the show generates money, and you guys already give plenty, but I thought, man, maybe we can just give more to you guys, and maybe that'll help generate a little extra income. Who knows? We can make this thing a, a full-time gig at some point. So that's what we're willing to do for you guys. Just go to our Patreon account, look at everything you got there, and then make a decision if it's something you can do. Once again, and I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if you cannot donate financially, for whatever reason, we are 100% fine with that. Don't ever think that this is a ploy to grab money from you or to feel like that if you can't donate that we're going to look at you different because that's definitely not the case. We love every one of you regardless. Amen, brother. So We do love you guys. Yeah, we most, don't most important, just try to keep the reviews coming. Like we said before, that really helps us in the rankings. We appreciate with all our heart everything you guys do for us. You just don't really understand, I don't think, how much it does mean. And I'm just grateful. We have a whole new ton of friends and family, and to me that's worth everything in the world. Absolutely. More than anything that money could buy. Absolutely. All right, guys. Remember, live show coming up in Indianapolis this month, 28th. Live show coming up in Nashville October 20th. And that's with Graveyard Tales, EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts. And I know this is like a, a throw-in at the end of the night, and it probably <laughs> should have been closer to the beginning, but with it being the 100th episode, um, we put it towards the end. Most of you know by now that Potter and Love has been canceled uh, due to some uh, unforeseen situations that came up. We are still going to Indianapolis. I'm sorry. We're going to uh, New Orleans. Yes. We're going to Indianapolis, too, so we don't want to disappoint people with that show. <laughs> but we are still going to New Orleans at that same time. So if you guys bought tickets, you got your money refunded. Everybody got their money refunded back for their tickets. If you already got airfare out there or you got hotels and you were going anyway, we're still going, and we want to hook up with every one of you guys. We're yeah. Gonna, we're going to uh, – I'll release – what we're going to do itinerary wise i know we're going to take a swamp tour i know we're going to take a graveyard tour we're going to go to myrtles we're going to a bunch of places now some of that to be earlier in the week maybe before you guys were coming because we were we're going to spend the whole week down there basically mm -hmm. but we will let you guys know either a friday or saturday night we're going to have dinner somewhere and we want all you guys to come eat with us yes absolutely and then just hang with us we'll have fun i want to make sure that if you bought tickets to come see us that you're going to get your money's worth 
Yeah, and I just we're just excited about meeting all you guys. And, man, you know, just hanging out one-on-one, getting to know each other. And I think it'll be funner that way. Um, you know, it's going to be fun with Potter and Love, of course. Um, this time it just frees up a little extra time for us. And, you know, so we can go hang out and go to some creepy places or just party down and just have a lot of fun yeah we're gonna book all of our tours that we're gonna do because we're gonna do like a graveyard tour that's during the day they've got uh, some haunted tours at nighttime and we're gonna do we're gonna let you know which one of those we're gonna do so if anybody wants to come on those tours with us i mean we can literally have dinner and go on some tours and stuff we'll have a lot of fun it won't be the same as potter and love we won't be doing the shows and all the other shows out there but there's still gonna be a bunch of other podcasters that are coming out so We'll have fun with it, but we love you guys so much, and uh, we will see you in Indianapolis. We'll see you in Nashville. We'll see you in New Orleans and every other place that we can get booked between now and then. Thank you guys for a fantastic couple of years, a fantastic first 100 episodes, and we promise to keep true to you guys and keep giving you every bit of effort we got to put the next 100 in as good a show as what you had for the first hundred yeah thank you guys for hanging with us and your support hope you all have a great and blessed week and if i didn't mention it earlier happy canada day oh yeah happy canada day love ya hey guys i'm jerry and i'm tracy from hillbilly horror stories i am shane waters from the podcast out of the shadows and i'm justin rimmel from mysterious circumstances damn justin did you hear how proper and serious shane was i guess when you're a guest on nancy grace and have 1800 people listening to you at crime con you get real serious okay shane i need you to tell the people why we're doing this commercial but i need it just as serious as your introduction you can see all three of our shows live in indianapolis on saturday july 28th all right justin tell them what time to be there and where they can get tickets Showtime is 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., and the cost is only $10. Seating is limited, so get your tickets now. Contact any of our shows on social media to buy tickets. And guys, your ticket gets you unlimited access to all the shows involved. Come out, take as many pictures as you want, and don't forget your free hugs.